All right, welcome to Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, the in-house EOS bull here at ICO Alert in this bear market. The trusted ICO <laughs> Alert platform. Visit icoalert.com, the most complete calendar of all upcoming ICOs. I'm here today, remote from Virginia, with the founder and CEO of block producer Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for a, another episode of the longest running weekly oh, use yeah. podcast, Everything EOS. We sincerely appreciate all the feedback and comments that we get about the show when you leave good good comments, whether we like them or not, when <laughs> we read them. Um, we love to see you guys engaging with us in the comments on YouTube. So please keep letting us know that you like the show there. And uh, you can also let us know by liking, subscribing, or following the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you may be listening. Or joining the new Telegram group. You want to tell everyone about that, Rob? Yeah, so we have a new Telegram group. If you head to everythingeos.io, you'll get forwarded over to the Telegram, or you can just go to t.me slash everythingeos. Uh, we'll be in there answering your questions. We'll be posting the new episodes, uh, any new content that we come out with. That's going to be the place to find out about it first. Or, or if you have announcements of your own, you're working on a DAP project, you're a block producer yourself, join the channel, and that's where we'll kind of filter through some of the news that will help us out. And it'll get us uh, good feedback from the community, and I'll, I'll be active in there. Uh, you can also always find us in the Cypherglass channels. Um, but as a reminder, uh, these podcasts are in video format on YouTube or on SoundCloud or iTunes. If you want to just listen to the audio, we try to cater to both audiences. Uh, and as a, another reminder, as Rob already said, the more engagement we get on the post, the more likes, the subscribes, the comments, the more people are going to see it. So you could help us out by doing any of those. Smash, 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 like button. smash it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I guess you got to do the sponsored well, campaign. Before we get started, yeah. yeah, I have to say this is not a sponsored podcast. We're not being paid to make this podcast. And as a matter of disclosure, Zach Gall and I both do hold EOS tokens. But please, as we're discussing our opinions about EOS, please don't construe our opinions as any kind of legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. You should never take advice from someone on the internet for what to do with your own money. So make sure you're doing your own research and uh, let's jump into it. All right. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the, mostly the recent noise and FUD around some comments Dan Larimer made in Telegram recently, and we'll explain to you why everything he said is actually a good thing. Uh, we're going to talk about a recent critical patch for Scatter Desktop and also other updates around the EOS IO ecosystem and community. So uh, let's get to it. Let's do it. So mono, Moner EOS or ShowerCoin, yeah. you want to give the introduction <laughs> to this one, Rob, and how it started? We'll, we'll, we'll pull up some graphics for those uh, watching on YouTube. But uh, as you're talking about it, Rob, why don't you read the, uh, the, the messages out loud for the people listening if you, if you need to? Yeah. So, so Dan popped into Telegram this week and, and basically just started dropping all of these bombs on people. He came out, he said, what if I told you I've solved privacy and infinite scalability? <laughs> what if I told you 10 million transactions per second with no fees? What if I told you no RAM or disk issues? What if I told you everyone can run a full node, not just the block producers? What if I told you no voting or staking? What if I told you 200 megasecond or millisecond confirmation times? And what if I told you 2019? So of course, he pops in, throws all this stuff in Telegram, and uh, people take it a hundred different ways. Uh, immediately, as soon as it came out, obviously, FUDsters are going to FUD. And Dan even said something funny. I'll pull it up on the screen that it's a hundred times... Uh, the energy to stop FUD is 100x the energy to create FUD. And that's, that's the truth. I mean, 100%. people are going to interpret everything he says with a microscope, and they're going to interpret it the way that they want to interpret it. So, I mean, ju just in any market, there, there's people who are long and there's people who are short, and you can make a lot of money being short and spreading FUD. So you always got to 
kind of kind of be oh, aware yeah. of of what's going on in the marketplace and people's mo motivations behind their their words and actions. But you you want to explain why you think this is a good thing, Rob? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, the reason why so many people were sort of shocked and I guess like upset by this was that they immediately took it as, oh, Dan's building something else. He's building something that's not EOS, EOS or EOSIO. He's he's going to abandon block one and abandon the project already. Um, and he came out, of course, and clarified that, no, he's not. And we'll get into those messages in a bit. Um, but but yeah, this has been pretty interesting. I think it's a good thing because it shows that Dan is still excited about things that might be built on top of EOS. You know, we've been talking about an EOS stablecoin here. Maybe this could be applied to an EOS stablecoin where that currency layer has, you know, an additional layer of nodes where if I want to run a node from my phone or from my desktop at home, I can do that. And then I know that the currency layer on EOS is, is still safe and secure. So I think people who are you know, seeing him jump somewhere else need to remember that he has a long-term commitment to block one and the hundred million tokens that block one has on the EOS mainnet vest over a period of 10 years. So they're committed to this thing for at least a decade. Um, and I don't expect that to change. Uh, at I, all. I think, so I think the uh, reason this was so easy to spread FUD on is because Dan has had two successful projects with BitShares and then Steemit that he stepped away from. But we, we've talked about this before. And we, we want Dan to stick in the ESIO ecosystem and he's not going anywhere. He's clarified this. But if a system is truly decentralized, he should be able to walk away at any point and things should run just as smoothly as while he was there. And we actually did see that with Steam. After Dan left Steam, it made yeah. many major improvements. They added DTube. They, they added all kinds of new functionality beyond what, what Dan contributed. But Dan, Dan's not going anywhere. I just want to clarify that even if he did, and it wouldn't be anytime soon, if things are done correctly, it, it shouldn't matter. Now, now you think about like in the the Ethereum Absolutely. or like the the Litecoin, like if Charlie Lee or Vitalik would walk away, like you could, you could see that they're trying to back off of their own protocols already. Like if you look at a lot of uh, the things Vitalik has said over the last year, he has been trying to take more of a backseat within, within Ethereum um, because it's just not smart to to have all your eggs in one basket with one person but I, I guess let me just clarify that dan is not leaving why don't we why don't you uh read one of the yeah. quotes where he clarified that and i'll pull it up on the screen then then we'll kind of talk about more about what he was proposing because i don't want people to think that he is leaving yeah and i think 100 percent. i think before i read this quote I'd, I'd also like to just say that i think dan and i had a, a good conversation with fuzzy in the cypher last telegram group about this this morning and this afternoon um, and I was basically saying, you know, Dan's just another excited yes. community member. He's one of us who, you know, is so hyped about the stuff that's going on. Not to, not just that he's building, but that the EOS community is building. So when he comes out, he has a new idea that he thought up in the shower, he said, shower which is coin. why I got the name Shower Coin, which I think is great. Um, but he has a new idea. He wants to share it with the people who are going to understand it. And that's the EOS community, which he is a big part he of. Wanted and feedback. I think, to Fuzzy's point, um, yeah. yeah, he wants feedback. And, and you know... Fuzzy said, I love Dan and his ideas are usually wonderful. The only problem is people don't just look at him like he's another community member, but as a God whose word is written in stone. And he's sometimes too humble to realize that. And I think that's true. Um, but to go ahead and read the quote, I will pull it up here. He says, I will say it again. I am not leaving EOS. In the process of working on EOS security and scalability, I stumbled upon a new set of trade-offs for a potential crypto token, and I have merely been exploring whether there is a market for those trade-offs. EOSIO is the future of blockchain, and each day our team at Block One is making it faster, more secure, more scalable, and more flexible. And then he goes on to talk a little bit about the token. He says, this hypothetical token would be immutable, non-programmable, which means you can't run smart contracts, so you know it's not taking up that use case from EOS. 
um, and it would be limited to a currency role like we talked about. It would in no way compromise the much larger use cases for EOSIO applications. Uh, and then he goes on, apparently I'm not even allowed to explore an idea so that perhaps someone can make life better for everyone, <laughs> which is you know, his frustration with this, which I, I totally understand. I understand the frustration completely because like you said, he's just like all of us. He's super excited. And if he's got an entrepreneurial mindset, he's always coming up with ideas. And if you think yeah. about why he left BitShares and why he, he left Steemit was because they had very narrow use cases. BitShares was specifically made to be a decentralized exchange and it was scalable beyond its time. And then he, he went to Steam because he wanted to build a, a, a social media platform. And he successfully did that, but it was a limited use case. It could only ever be a social media platform. They've since expanded it to social media as far as video platform with DTube, but it's still a very limited use case. Whereas with EOS IO, it, it's, it's a platform. It's like an operating system. You could build anything on top of it. So one, now that the platform's built, the foundation of EOS IO is built and it's continuously being built on top of. There's over 100 developers working in Blacksburg, Virginia and Hong Kong right now, all building new features for EOS IO. And those features are going to be available for not only the mainnet, but for any side chain or sister chain that wants to launch because the end goal is to grow EOS IO as a platform. All these sister chains, side chains, side projects, they're all being built on the same software, essentially. And anything that works on, on one chain might be able to move, be moved to another. Now, there are some trade-offs. If you did this privacy feature, you couldn't move some of those features to the mainnet. But it, it's all working together. And the reason Dan wanted to build a general use case blockchain is so that every time he has these crazy ideas, whether he builds it or someone else builds it, they're able to build it on top of the EOS IO ecosystem and make it better. And that's all Dan wants to do is just make 100%. the ecosystem stronger and better. The more chains, the better. Oh, like absolutely. all value is still going to accrue somehow to the main net. We, we just know, but I don't even think block one knows, but I think we talked offline about this. Like one potential way would be maybe they airdrop the main net for uh, the launch of this if, if it were to even occur. But I think at this point, it's just an idea. Like I don't think anything's been developed for it or anything. It, it's, it's just an idea. And he was just oh, wanting yeah. feedback from the community and he got it. <laughs> Uh, the the, yeah. the funniest feedback, got, the funniest feedback, and I'm gonna give this guy a, a, a national <laughs> global spotlight of thousands and thousands of fans. <laughs> so oh Nick Laws, N I K O L O Z, on I, I think this is in the main channel. He says to Dan directly, "You finish EOS, then write a new shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. You, EOS finish, then write a new shit. Like, uh, yeah, we get it. it. He wants him to finish EOS, EOS But first. the thing is, EOS will but never think, be finished. It's it's a never-ending yeah. thing, just like Windows is never finished or Mac OS is never finished. Like It's continuously exactly. being iterated on and built built upon. And to your point, I mean, the whole reason why Dan you know, joined Brendan at Block One and, and started this new company to build EOS was so that he could build on all his ideas. I think a lot of people forget, and it's probably because Block One doesn't have any dApps released yet, but Block One, in my opinion, will end up being the largest oh, yeah. EOS DAP developer in the entire ecosystem. I mean, they have 10% of the network's resources that they can stake to their own DApps or their VC DApps or whatever they want to do. But their goal at Block One is to further the development, further the reach of the EOS ecosystem by mm -hmm. building DApps. So this may be one of the DApps that they come out with. Maybe it's a currency play. Maybe they have another social media DApp. Maybe they come out with their own games in the future. There's so much going on at Block One. And to your point about having 100 plus developers, that was what Dan said in Telegram. And I, I noticed that um, on Twitter from Wrecked Kid. So shout out to him. But what's exciting to me about that is that's only the developers at Block yeah. One, right? That you know you need you need people to build the code. You need people to to sit there and go through all that process. But there are other people outside of those 100 plus that are you know the executive suite, the marketing people 
um, the, the strategic people, there are so many aspects of this business that are being built to make sure that EOS is successful in the long term that like that team is growing so quickly. It's so and going exciting. back to that. So I, at being the block one investigative journalist that I am, uh, if you go back to episode <laughs> 29 of everything EOS, we talked a good bit about some of the positions that they're hiring for on the careers page of block one. And two of the positions yeah. that I highlighted on that episode, one was a director of education, which is like a dean level experience that they're looking for, who could build a university curriculum and then work within the, the, eco, the education ecosystem and, and move that curriculum to other universities outside of Virginia Tech. That position looks like it has been filled. So it is no longer nice. uh, available on the careers Ooh. page. So they are doing stuff. It's not just developers. Another position that I highlighted that is no longer available was the block producer account manager. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you, Rob, whenever you first get contacted by this new block one employee who I also have uh, little things on little alerts set on LinkedIn to see whenever this position gets filled by a person, then I'll be able to tell you a little bit about their nice. background. And I'm hoping that it's a prominent community member, maybe that we already know, I have no idea, but that would make a lot of sense, but it doesn't have to be. But those are the two positions that stood out. There's other positions that have been filled since then. But like you said, it's not just developers they're hiring. A lot of developer relations yeah. positions and port, uh, developer portal creators, those positions have also been eliminated from the careers page. So we could assume that they have been filled also. So it, it's a big piece of Absolutely. this and a big piece of this ecosystem growing is going to come down to education. We need more developers and we need more people to think in a decentralized, trustless way. And you, you start that at the university level, get, getting to the, the, the people who are already into computer science and already building maybe distributed uh, protocols, not on blockchain. Maybe you can get them. Maybe the reason they're not doing blockchain yeah. is because there's not a curriculum that, that facilitates that. So you brought up a tweet from Block One today that Dan's actually speaking tonight, which is today's Thursday, November 29th. Dan is actually speaking at Virginia Tech for the second time for a, yeah. a why blockchain seminar now yeah, yeah and i think pe people forget i mean he or i guess block one has uh donated i believe it's a three million dollar yep. grant to virginia tech you know where he graduated um you know he went to i guess he got his engineering degree from virginia tech it's a great school your dad's um, an alum isn't he but anyway they have a three million dollar yeah my dad's an alum he was in the uh, architectural program so i think uh, he he graduated yeah, way, know, way before but... dan but uh but yeah, anyway, they have this $3 million program to basically fund a curriculum on EOS. And then the natural extension of that, once it's implemented and tested at Virginia Tech, where Dan is close to it, he lives in the same city, he can go over, do speeches, work with the teachers, make sure it's all running properly. The natural expansion then is to just go to, to every college in the United States, every college in the world, and say, hey, you have an engineering program, you're teaching people computer science, add on blockchain, add on EOS, and suddenly you're going to have all of the new talent, all the new developers that are in such high demand coming out of universities all over the world that already know how to and already want to build on EOS because they just learned it in this new class. So what comes out of that is going to be awesome. And I can't wait to find out who they hired for that education. I mean, you, you just think about it. So this, this should just squash the foot immediately that Dan's leaving Block One or EOSIO. He lives in Blacksburg. I don't think he's oh, ever yeah. left Blacksburg. The uh, Virginia Tech is in Blacksburg. They're hiring a director of education. Yep. Just, just imagine the talent that's going to be coming out of Virginia Tech because if you want to be a blockchain developer, this is going to be a, a revolutionary like industry of like a, a focus of education over the next 10 to 20 years. Virginia Tech's going to be one of the top blockchain like education schools you could possibly go to. And whenever you're looking for real world experience as a student, 
who do you think is going to be providing the internships? It's going to be block one. They're, they're Absolutely. going to have probably dozens, Absolutely. if not tens of dozens of students working out of their labs and offices or maybe on campus in general. And they're going to be working on this ground level infrastructure that's going to change the world over the next 20 years. Oh, absolutely. And I think if we, if you think about over a 20 year time scale, just how big of an impact this can have, I mean, this, this is the scale of making EOS the de facto blockchain platform, where if you integrate at every university, even just in the US, boom, suddenly that's a de facto platform. And I think in a similar way that governments around the world who don't embrace blockchain tech will miss out on this next That's what I'm afraid of with the US. I'm, a, I'm terrified benefits. of this. Exactly. But I think even beyond that, if you go a layer down and you look at the university level, I think universities will be in the same position as governments are now very soon where, hey, if they don't get their stuff together and come out with a blockchain curriculum, all of the smartest engineers, all of the smartest tech talent is suddenly going to move to the universities like Virginia mm -hmm. Tech, where they actually have the blockchain program since that's the future. So I think to the universities out there, if you happen to be a part of one or you know, you're listening from one, it's crucial that they get on board the blockchain train also so that they're not left behind like the governments of the world that don't embrace this. I, I agree 100%. I, I actually heard an, uh, an interesting quote that I hadn't heard in a few years that I think really makes a lot of sense here. It's uh, by Bill Gates. Who, uh, you've mentioned Bill yeah. on a previous episode. We had some trolls in the comments who don't like Bill Gates for some reason, but whatever. I know you're, you're an Apple guy. I'm sort of an Apple guy now. But okay, here's the quote. We always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years and underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. Don't let yourself be lulled into inaction. Yep. I've heard the same quote, but as one year in 10 years. Yeah, so, so it's just like with the mainnet. So we overestimate what could have happened. With So the mainnet launch was in June, but we could assume Block One was working on it for a while before then. So a little over one year of development, we have these high expectations that everything should be done already with the the, the decentralized storage and then all of the resource issues being worked out. Like, like we underestimate the short term or we overestimate what could be done in the short term, but we always grossly underestimate what could be done in the long term. In 10 or 20 years, we're, we're probably not even, the, the applications we use as users might look exactly the same because that's where we're headed is. You're gonna be able to use an application. You're not gonna use it because it's decentralized. You're gonna use it because it's better than what you're using before. And like, exactly. I don't, I, like the term dApps is really overused right now because I, I don't think the end users are going to care what a dApp is. They just want this application that's secure yeah. and works. A hundred percent. I mean, in the same way that you wouldn't, and I think this was Rudy at Mythical Games who had this point. Um, he was like, we wouldn't advertise that Call of Duty is built partially on Amazon yes. Web Services. You know, in the same way you're not going to advertise that some new game, hey, it's exactly. built on EOS because the person playing that game doesn't care. They want to play a fun game. You know, maybe now they can hold their uh, items and own them and make money from them. And that's a cool addition and a reason why they'll play the game. But ultimately, they shouldn't even really have to know or, or want to know that, you know, this thing is running when, on blockchain. When you as a user visit a website, you're like, oh, this is great. This website uses MongoDB or this website uses MySQL. Right, exactly. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. I love HTML. Yeah. This, oh, is this website's, like, this, this website's using that... React. I hate React. I'm not using it anymore. Like, no one's going to care oh, about yeah. the tech stack. It, well, that's why... Brendan Bloomer, Brendan Bloomer was on a recent interview about that, basically saying that EOS is building the the next infrastructure yes. for the internet. Yes. It's a more secure version of the internet where the internet is fundamentally an insecure data transfer layer. I send info to you, we see all these data breaches, credit card hacks, all these things happening because the internet is insecure. You put all that on a blockchain, suddenly your default is a highly, highly 
secure layer where you know you can send all this data i know somebody's not going to intercept it there's no central point of failure where somebody can hack in and steal 70 million credit cards mm -hmm. overnight it just doesn't happen it's not possible so to to think about it from that perspective of this is an infrastructure play not so much a you know hey this thing is an apple product mm -hmm. you know it's not a, not really a brand thing so much as it is just that infrastructure that so many people won't know about but uh will realize the benefits of through the application but it, it's baby steps to get there so that's why it is acceptable today to be Definitely. using the word dap and being excited about a new dap coming out and using the term dap because right now we're in the very early stages we're just trying to prove simple use cases of what can be done but like we we can't even like conceptualize what 20 years from now is going to look like and i, I think we just oh, gotta yeah. keep that in mind um so as far imagine. as recent news, and it's not really EOS related, but it is somewhat Dan related, was I saw yesterday Steemit laid off 70% of their staff. And I think yeah, Steemit is one of the most exceptional exceptional like use cases of a blockchain. It's one of the only dApps that like you could explain to someone and they understand it's a blogging platform, sort of like Reddit, that you could earn money and value from creating good content. Yeah, you, it's very simple to explain. Yeah. But like... As, as far as having faith in their team, and, and Ned, I'm sure, is a very smart guy running the ship there, like, you, you just have to assume that they're going to slow the speed of their growth and development because they had to get rid of 70% of their staff. Now, that's one of the yeah, reasons I mean, I'm so bullish on EOS. People can complain all they want about Block One raising $4 billion, but they didn't set that goal. We all paid it by investing into the ICO and allowing the, 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 the price to go up, and we kept paying it. So that's a good thing because what we're seeing right now in the market is all of these companies and ICOs and blockchain companies, crypto companies, they all held on. And, and I'm the same way. You're the same way. We, we've held our crypto through the good times oh, and yeah. the bad times. And right now it, it, it's hard to sell to, to cover the operating costs because that's what's happening right now is we have all these mining companies. We have uh, ICOs from last year, they all have to sell their crypto assets at this very low cost to cover operating costs. Like yeah. may maybe they only have a $10,000 a month overhead in their business, but they're selling the equivalent in cryptocurrencies of what would have been like $40,000 a few months ago. So they're burning through, through their capital yeah, and block one is not going to have that issue ever. Yep. And the, what that really comes down to, I think, is treasury management. You know, it's a term that a lot of people know of with IPOs and different investments and startups. You know, hey, how are we going to measure this treasury, the money that we have, this war chest, to make sure it lasts as long as we need it to? And Block One was one of the very, very few ICOs that actually went out and was selling their, their Ether and on a weekly basis. And FUD was basis started over that. Do you remember the, the Reddit post and the Ethereum Reddits yeah. where they're like, oh, oh they're recycling they're, it they're into the... dumping their ETH and driving the price down. I remember last yeah. June or July Which whenever Coinbase had that, like power dump to like $10 or whatever from like 150. Oh my they God. blamed it on the, the EOS ICO because it was like early on in it. And and now yeah. it's a good thing. They were just selling on Bitfinex, I believe, believe OTC. And to your point, I mean, people were at $600 Ether. They were saying, why are you selling it now? We're going to 1K. And at 1K, Block One still sending out that weekly Ether and selling it. Why are you selling it? We're going to 1400. But now they don't look so crazy. And I think this speaks to their long-term perspective on the space in general. You know, they know they need professional treasury management where it's not all in crypto. Part of it's in USD. I'm sure some of it's in government bonds and some of it's in Bitcoin and some of it's in all these different things to make sure they retain as much of this money over the long-term as they can. But it also just speaks to them on a long-term level where they're looking at this space in the five-year view, the 10-year view, the 20-year view, and their long-term commitment of, you know, a 10-year vesting schedule 
reflects that. So I think it's unfortunate that this happened to Steemit, but I also think it's important to remember that this is Steemit Inc. This is the centralized company that sort of manages their treasury and, and you know, is the core development team for it. But it's not Steam, the decentralized blockchain. It's not Steemit, the decentralized social media platform. It's just Steemit Inc. So I think over time, it's definitely possible that the Steam community continues to build this platform, continues to, you know, post good content there. But to lay off 70% 70, 70 of your staff, the majority of which is probably development, that's huge. And that is definitely going to have some kind of an impact on Steam, the blockchain, even if it's technically a separate organization. So I'm sorry to see, to see that happen, but uh, that's what happens with, with poor treasury management. one more management. reason to be bullish on the, the team at Block One. Yep. They're not going to be laying off anyone anytime soon. As a matter of fact, they're, they're working slowly but surely to deploy that billion dollars of capital. Oh, yeah. And... So let me go back to treasury management because I had an interesting conversation that was just one of my shower moments that I had during my uh, Warbly and uh, EOS Blocksmith uh, podcast yeah. I did in San Francisco. So we have these block producers and a lot of like the, the standbys who are doing so much work for the EOS ecosystem, but they're not getting compensated enough to be a, a value generating like revenue positive business. Right. So a lot of the solutions for these block boosts, and some of them are not standbys, but they're, they're opening up their operations to side and sister chains like, like Warbly or like Talos. And they're also operating as block producers on the mainnet. And I brought up a good point of all, I, I think it's great that these block producers are gonna be producing for multiple chains because I, I think that's what, what the future is gonna see. But they're gonna have very uh, important treasury management skills that are gonna be required because they're gonna have all of these different EOS tokens that they're producing blocks for on different yep. mainnet or on different blocks or blockchains, I guess. And they're going to have to determine, do I want to sell my ES mainnet tokens? Do I want to sell my Warbly tokens? Do I want to sell my Talos tokens, my Wax tokens? Whatever they're producing blocks for, they're main contributors to that ecosystem because they're providing the underlying infrastructure. 100%. So they have to determine what 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 chains have the like most upside or downside. It's going to be an interesting thing to do to be... But I, I don't think it's anything new, though, at the same time. I don't have experience in the mining industry, but it seems like a lot of the mining companies, for instance, oh, yeah. they mine Monero, they mine Ethereum, they mine Bitcoin. So I'm sure that this job title, uh, this job isn't anything new to companies like that. Oh, definitely. And here, let me... Because they, they've been having to manage the crypto for a long time. I'll respond to that. I have to pee like crazy, so give me one second. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Finch is hey. back from panic selling his EOS. Just sold it all, dumped it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, I agree with you on treasury management, and I think that's something that even block producers are running into now, where a lot of these block producers, you know, you're making EOS at $10 in EOS, $8 in EOS, $6 in EOS as it goes down, and a lot of people didn't sell into USD. And now, you know, EOS is here at $3, I think mm -hmm. it is today, and a lot of BPs are losing money at this current rate. Um, at Cypherglass, we have a plan to stay online no matter what the price is. But I think BPs can learn from this situation also. And maybe, you know, as the price starts climbing back up, you start, you know, selling half of your EOS into dollars to cover your expenses and maybe, you know, hedge outside of the ecosystem or whatever it is. Because ultimately, we want block producers to not only have good infrastructure, but to also have good, um, you know, financial infrastructure, if you will, where they can stay online. Mm -hmm. They're not going to just drop out one day and say, hey, sorry, we can't cover our expenses anymore. So I think it's important for the entire space that treasury management is is really a high priority when you know you're getting paid in crypto so why don't we talk about that for a little bit because uh, me being outside of the block producer uh 
world, I guess. How has it been with the declining uh, token price? You, you guys being a standby node for the most part lately in the 20 to 30 range. How has the price of the token affected you guys with business decisions? Have you had to like pull back on any big ideas you've had that you thought would be rolled out by now? Like how has it affected you guys at Cypherglass? Yeah, not so much on big ideas. I think um, the way it's really affected us, you know, personally, I'm not taking a paycheck anymore um, just to make sure that, you know, that the critical people in our company can continue to get paid, continue to get compensated. I have other streams of income, so I don't need a paycheck right now. Um, but I think the main way it's probably affected us in the longer term is with upgrading our infrastructure again in the future. You know, we've done a bunch of gradual upgrades, whether it's, you know, a RAM upgrade or a storage upgrade or something like that. But right now, basically all of our money is going to our expenses, you know, our overhead like infrastructure mm -hmm. and paying staff and little things like, you know, $50 a month for our G Suite and $100 a month for our web hosting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's less money going to the future of our infrastructure, sort of that V3 infrastructure. Yeah. It'll still come, it'll still definitely happen. Um, but I think across the board with all the block producers, they have less money to sort of invest yeah. in better infrastructure in the future. And um, I'm hoping that doesn't harm the network at all in the long run. Yeah, I mean, uh, from the block producers I've talked to, I mean, I'd say when the mainnet launched in June, they had big ideas of hiring some additional staff for some uh, very, like, uh, important positions like a compliance officer, maybe a treasury management position type thing. And all of those positions are basically on off to the side at this point. They're, they're being held off on anything outside of your core team is, is kind of being put on the back oh, right now, even with the, the top 10 block producers. I mean, I don't know what Huobi's doing right now. They're just giving their tokens to their users. Right, apparently. exactly. The, uh, uh, let, let, so let's get into that. Why don't we, why don't we talk about Stardio? So you, you're a little bit more familiar with what they're doing with their, their slot machine stuff. So want to introduce that? Yeah, so Stardios is uh, kind of in an interesting predicament. And apparently they disclosed this ahead of time, but only in Chinese, so that the Western EOS community never really heard about this. But they have another BP that's a standby right now. Um, I believe it's called Game.eos or Games.eos, something like that. Something like um, that. But essentially, the way it works is that you can only play their games. And this is the way I understand it. There could be, you know, a couple things wrong here, but I believe it's correct. In order to play their games, you have to vote for them or vote for their proxy. And then they basically pay a portion of the money they make from the block awards for that BP back to the people that are playing their games. So it's like this interesting incentive model of, hey, we're going to pay you to vote for us if you play our game. But obviously there are a lot of people upset about this and a lot of people, particularly in the West where, you know, there's a little bit of a different culture where we say, hey, you know, you shouldn't own more than one BP, even if one is active and one is standby, that, that's not okay you should only have one block producer that you're running everything through and certainly shouldn't be paying people, you know, to vote for you and play your games and things like that. So that's kind of what's happening. Um, Maple Leaf Cap had a really good thread on Twitter if you, you want to run through some of that. that. Yeah, so Maple Leaf Cap, I'll put the uh, link down in the uh, show notes, but he's explaining how basically Stardios, they're the number two as of the record, right now recording, they're the number two voted block producer and like Rob mentioned, games, something or other. They, they have another node that they launched. And uh, let me get to the note. So for the Stardios game, so they, they must have created a game. It was like, what, a slot machine type yeah, of thing? Yeah, I, I saw them present the at uh, the Investing with the Difference um, Scaling Blockchain Conference. They were there for a bit. Oh, Stardios was? Yeah, yeah they showed off, uh, at least I believe it was them, but they showed off their slot machine concept and everything like that. And, and I have to say, I mean, with all of this controversy. This is the thing. I don't think, like, these, I probably met them too then. Like, this probably isn't anything malicious. No, 100%. Necessarily. Like, these are guys who believe in the ecosystem just as much as and us. And Stardios themselves but, has done instrumental things for the ecosystem. They have a cool name bidding thing in their app, the Stardios app. I personally have used their app a lot, and I've talked with Monica a lot from the Stardios team. So this is definitely not, you know, with some kind of 
ill intention to hurt the EOS network. They want to see this thing grow just like we do, but I think it's important, especially over these east and west barriers, that we communicate our cultural differences and we say, hey, you should only own one and here's why we think that, and they give their you know opposite opinion and things like that. So I guess just to finish explaining yeah. it is, it's like there's an in-game token that runs this slot machine. So you need the token to play the slot machine hmm. to get a chance at winning real EOS. And the only way to earn this in-game token, I believe, is to stake your votes towards a proxy, which is basically self-voting. Um, so that's the way I understand that. I'll share the Maple Leaf Cap tweeter. I'm, I'm sure you could find uh, more resources elsewhere. But that, that's essentially what it was, was you have to vote to their proxy, which then they control where those votes are distributed. And in exchange, you get this currency to play the slot machine, which you could win EOS on, is, is how I understand it. Interesting. Yeah, um, it is. And like like you said, they're, they're trying to add value to the ecosystem. They're trying to give away their block rewards, essentially, but it could be looked at as self-voting. Yeah, exactly. Um, Excuse Did me. you see what Chintai has been doing? Because Chintai also, since they didn't have uh, a voting built into to, uh, staking their token, so if you staked CPU to Chintai to, to let other people lease it out, you had to uh, basically commit your votes to their proxy, and they controlled where those votes went. And I've noticed that they've been building a, like a consortium of sorts yeah. where they're involving other block producers, and they're going to work as a consortium to determine where these votes go so that it's not just one person deciding exactly. their favorite and 30 I, block producers. It's, it might be like 13, 14, 15 people all giving input. Yeah, and I like the way that they've set uh, it up now. I know their initial plan was just to only vote for the eight or nine BPs that have sponsored the Chintai DAP. And I don't know if that's a financial sponsorship mm -hmm. or like a resources sponsorship, but they sponsor the DAP in some way. And that was their initial plan. Hey, anybody uses the system, we're going to take those tokens and vote them towards these people helping us out. But I'm glad to see now, and I think this is thanks to some community backlash there, um, they yeah. are putting together that committee, and I believe they will vote for a full 30 block producers based on a preset of criteria. I personally think Cypherglass qualifies under that criteria, so I hope we get their vote. Um, but if not, mm -hmm. I'm glad to see at least that they're voting for more than just the people sponsoring, because I think that's kind of a weird conflict of interest. And then, yeah. you know, people might not use Chintai because of that. Um, and I want to see that succeed. So I think what they're doing now is, is a very good sort of middle ground. Um, obviously, the best thing would be to just allow the people using it to vote on their own. But I don't know if that's technically possible. Yeah. And if anyone watching doesn't know what Shintai is or hasn't heard of it, heard of it, I, I highly recommend you do some research, I believe. So they launched about a month or two ago, but then they paused their launch and then they're relaunching again, I think, within the next couple of days or week. So that, that'll be interesting to see. Are you um, saying Shintai is that? I'm, I'm not sure. Is it? No, it's I, up. I thought they. It's up. It's been yeah. up. Yeah, I think it's that was that was only very briefly. I mean, you can look at the even the order books now. On a twenty-eight day lease, you know, if you want to lease out a thousand EOS, you can make about half a percent over that uh, month, which is pretty crazy. Can you, can you tell them not leasing my tokens? I can. Yeah. <laughs> I personally don't use. Chintai <laughs> I'll, I'll lease I, them to the Rex. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, I I mostly just have my tokens on my ledger, and I don't really do much yeah. with them these days. <laughs> I don't like the fact that with Chintai, I have to actually physically send the EOS out of my wallet into a smart contract that then I have to trust. That's why I'm I'm waiting for yeah. Rex personally. Um, you know, to then put it into a system that everybody trusts, everybody's a part of versus, you know, if there's a flaw in the Chintai smart contract, something might happen with my EOS and it's just not worth the, the 1% I'm going to make on it to take that risk. So that's me personally. I know, you know, some people are still using the it, real value of Shintai is for the people who need to buy this yes. bandwidth though, because we're, we're, we've been hitting our CPU capacity. So, so what's going on with that? I know, I know block one put a recent update with the multi-threaded signatures, which I saw you were excited yeah. about on Twitter. 
But what what's going on with the CPU currently? Because we've got a bunch of dice addicts in the office lately. Every everyone just so we've we've been talking about these games, and you're a big proponent of them. I've played them a little bit, but they're they're pushing the network to its capacity and transaction volume. We've been talking about it for months, but the guys in the office like literally just realized these dice games existed maybe oh, wow. in the last couple weeks. And they, they've been, I, I've seen them on people's screens, like back in the bull market on everyone's screens, I used to see Binance charts. Yeah, exactly. Always. Now in this bear market, <laughs> the only way they're making money, they're playing dice. That's so funny. The... So I've been seeing it more and more. But so what's been, so they've been complaining. I think Q said he has, or not Q, someone in the office said they have like a couple hundred EOS staked and they're still hitting uh capacity because they're using that damn do you see that they got the auto roller on these dice games now where you could set your uh so set your dice rolls to be anything under like 90 and you win on a scale of one to 100 and they just have it set to auto play continuously and they're running out of bandwidth after a little bit and that's because what's going on with cpu bandwidth and what kind of improvements have come out lately and what what what's dan been teasing for coming up in the next couple weeks or months yeah so the current situation is right now 95 percent of the time maybe even a little more the network works fine like everybody's cpu is fine you're not running out of it including the dap but when the network goes into congestion mode, and basically what congestion mode is, is it prevents um, you know, people from using more than their allocation. So if I own 1% of the EOS network's resources, um, or I own 1% of the tokens, I own 1% of the resources, um, I can actually use more than 1% of the network when other people aren't using it. But when the network hits congestion mode, which means right now it's hit, um, I think, 25 or 30% of the total you know, max capacity, the network freaks out and limits everybody back down to that 1% they own, right? So you mm-hmm. can no longer surge. And for a lot of dApps, BetDice included, they'll be surging way over their allocation. You know, their dApps running fine. And all of a sudden, boom, at the end of that three-day, you know, CPU period, as the network kind of is resetting, they hit congestion mode. And all of a sudden, their dApp doesn't work. They run out of CPU. All the users run out of CPU. So we've experimented that mm-hmm. a little bit by increasing that congestion threshold. It started at 10%. Now it's at 25 or 30%. Um, but over time, there are more fixes coming. One of those is what you mentioned, you know, parallelizing some of the process. Right now, if you think about a transaction as a car, EOS is basically a very, very fast uh, single lane road. It's a single lane road with a very high speed limit and all the cars are transactions. With parallel processing, we can start to take parts of those cars or parts of those transactions and move them to a second lane. We can add a second lane and now we have a, a two lane road with a very high speed limit. And as we add more um, of the components of you know, transaction processing and, and action processing on the network, two other cores of a computer, you then are basically turning EOS into a multi-lane, you know, uh, uh, ultimately an infinite lane super highway where you can send as many cars down that highway as you need to. Um, and Dan has some other fixes coming that should you know, do another 2x on CPU and things like that. But ultimately, you're still going to have some CPU issues until multi-threading and sidechains are here. That's when mm-hmm. this stuff should really, you know, and maybe Rex will help a lot with that as well. But that is really when you should see the biggest improvement. Um, but right now, you know, 95% of the time seems to be working well. And I'll read another Dan quote. Dan's been on fire on Telegram. He goes through these he goes through these spurts where he's just like all over the place on Telegram. And it's usually like he like we said earlier, he's a passionate member of the community. Yep. So if you remember about a month or two ago, the URI thing had him all excited. Yeah. He had a, a his own URI channel that someone started and he was active in yep. it. Uh, for a little bit, Pixel Masters was hot, and he was active in their channel. Anytime something like gets him excited, he'll he'll go and he'll give us all these nuggets in the Telegram channels. So another one that he mentioned was, "quote We are working on a small, hard forking change that will enable most users to never have to rent CPU, and will allow DApp creators to rent slash own CPU for their users." 
As far as the roadmap for CPU enhancements, it involves faster virtual machines, but that will at most give us two to three X capacity. We are looking to improve database performance, which might give us some increase, but fundamentally contract processing is limited to a uh, single threaded. And that's like the, the contract processing of a smart contract. But what you're saying is the signature validations could be multi-threaded. Exactly. And that's what and that's just the, the signature validations is what you is using a lot of the CPU. Yeah, that's about half of the CPU. So when I send a transaction out, about 50% of the work that the network is doing is just on validating that, you know, the signature is valid, that I signed it with the right private keys, that I have the right amount of EOS. So if you can take half of the, the time it takes to process a transaction and boom, you put that on another thread, suddenly you've you've two X CPU, you've cut the time it takes to process a transaction in half. And then over time, you know, eventually the entire uh, system will be multi-threaded and you can move more than just uh, transaction validation or signature validation rather over to other cores. Um, but to his point, I mean, I, I really like the idea of allowing dApps, if they can afford it, of course, to sort of lease or pay mm -hmm. the CPU for users as they're using it. Because I know BetDice has something like six or seven million CPU staked. If they could take a million of that and give it to their, their users that have it on auto roll, the people in the office there that are mm -hmm. playing like crazy, uh, I think their user numbers <laughs> and their volume numbers would definitely increase dramatically. So I'm excited to see what happens with that and, and hopefully that becomes possible soon. I want to read another nugget because I'm, I'm scrolling through my show notes and it's all just, I, I should just show a screenshot off my screen yeah, because it's notes. all just Dan screenshots. <laughs> so Dan says, Block One is a small army of engineers working to make EOS IO better under my direction. EOS IO is the most efficient, lowest cost infrastructure for general purpose programmable public blockchains, has the lowest fees and highest throughput. Block One is actively seeking to improve this through better database implementations, faster WASM, executing more efficient network communications, multi-threaded SIG checking, but ultimately only multi-chain and IBC are capable of scaling enough to meaningfully bring down CPU costs. Exactly. And then he, he's talking about personal stuff because they're building dApps on top of EOS. Like building EOS isn't Block One's endgame. Building the next generation of applications on the, the Facebook 2.0s, yeah. the Uber 2.0s, like these are the type of applications that Block One gets excited about. That's what they're building on top of this infrastructure. And he said, we have been investigating building large scale social media and other large scale dApps. So wow. think about your Facebook 2.0s. Like and we've been talking about this for months. At the last time Dan was at Virginia Tech, I mean, I've played the video a hundred times on here right. and he said that they're building the next generation of social media and he explains how they're going to get mainstream adoption. It's just exciting every time he but, says it. <laughs> yeah, every time because he's reconfirming it. We know exactly. what they're doing. He, he gives it away and he says they f to build these large scale applications, they all require multiple chains, which is effectively sharding the, 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 the smart contract work and multi-threading sig check is already in pre-release. So how do you feel about that? Where, where like, we're seeing more and more of like dApps running their own side chains within the main net where they use the same token for resources or maybe even a, a sister chain outside of that. Like, do you see that as the future of scale, scalable applications is all these side chains like working horizontally? Yeah, I think that's definitely. And, and how does the value come back to the main? Net I think that's definitely my biggest question. part of it. And I think if you think of the main net as like the main city center, like it's the Manhattan to New York, you know, and you have all these boroughs on the outside, the real estate, the property in Manhattan is most valuable. So if you have a DAP or say a token, you know, you're going to want that on the US mainnet where everybody can get it. So maybe you, if I'm BetDice, I put my DICE token out there, um, you know, it's on the mainnet, that's where it lives. But in order to host, you know, say a million users on my DAP, I may want to launch my own side chain. So I can take my own chain, my own EOS chain with my own set of block producers, um, you know, that maybe the DICE token holders can vote in that have the best infrastructure for that kind of game. But then 
in addition to having those block producers on the side chain, you also are going to connect that side chain. Once IBC, your inner blockchain communication is out, you're going to connect that side chain to the EOS mainnet. And in doing that, from a user's perspective, it effectively feels like they're using one big mainnet. It's not going to be like, hey, you got to do a token swap over to a side chain and this weird process of like moving tokens. From a user's perspective, it should just feel like, hey, I'm using one big chain. But the DAP then gets the benefit of having their own resource management. You know, they can have their own RAM pool that they control on their side chain. They can, you know, be the only one really sending transactions on that side chain if that's how they want to set it up to make sure that they always stay online. So I think that's a huge part of this being scalable in the future. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, um, it, it honestly makes EOS more decentralized because you'll have some BPs on the mainnet, some doing you know a few DApps here and there, some doing other DApps over there, and I think it'll be great. You've you've when we've talked about sister chains before, mostly like Talos or Warbly, yeah. you've you've expressed your commitment to the mainnet, and at the moment that we talked about it last time, you said you're committed to the mainnet. You're not supporting any side or you're not supporting any sister chains as Cypherglass, you as Cypherglass in this instance, not as Rob. Yeah. But how do you feel about a, a DAP running a side chain that, that has some sort of connection to the mainnet as far as like resources? If, if a DAP ever came to you and said, would, would you like commit resources as part of our side chain as Cypherglass, like how would, how would you respond to that right now? Like if it was one of these gambling DAPs, for instance. Depending on the DAP, I think it's something that we would definitely consider doing. Um, the reason why we don't support any of the sister chains, are, which are basically forks. I mean, a sister chain is a fork. It's a separate network. In mm -hmm. the future, obviously, networks like Warbly plan to connect their fork as a side chain once inter-blockchain communication is out. Um, and then I think that'll be mm -hmm. great. But the reasons why we don't support Warbly is because it's centralized by design. One of our core tenants is decentralization. So we think it's a bit hypocritical for us to do that. Um, Telos, we don't like a lot of the governance aspects there. So we're not supporting that. But when DAP sidechains come out and, and that tech, that you know technical aspect of this whole ecosystem is actually possible, you can bet that we'll be producing for at least one, maybe multiple different DAP chains. Um, but of course, our, our main commitment will, will still be the EOS mainnet. So what that would essentially have you do or any block producer supporting them would be you'd have your infrastructure almost like partitioned to run strictly like this particular dap on this partition of your infrastructure and it'd be completely separate from your hardware running the main net so you'd have your own pool of ram specific to this dap your own pool of cpu exactly. specific for this dap but you'd also be running a separate like set of infrastructure even if it's in the same physical space it'd be just separate infrastructure for the main net so there really wouldn't be overlap of the infrastructure but their overlap would be their inner blockchain communication and how they exactly kind of and coordinate between the yeah, two yeah we could keep it all in our, our same two data centers kansas city missouri and minneapolis minnesota or maybe we could have you know our side chains in one and our mainnet in one and the backups reversed or something um but yeah i mean we'll basically have a separate server a separate ram everything like that for each side chain that we end up supporting but again it, it really is crucial that from the user's perspective it feels like one big chain and i think that's what block one is working so hard on right now mm -hmm. Uh, I think I mentioned Talos a few times. We, we talked about this privately on text messages. I'm kind of becoming a, a Talos fan, actually. Nice. I, I, I'm still committed to the main net, yeah. I, but I, I think Talos has uh, some really cool features coming out, and I, I think they're going to force the main net to take notice and start implementing some of these features that we've been wanting since the main net launched. And the big one for me is IPFS. I, I think having that decentralized storage solution on on the like uh, system-level contract is going to be big. And I also like their, um, I forget what they call it, inverse weight voting. I, I like that concept also where 
if I have one EOS token and I vote for 10 block producers, that'll those votes, each individual vote will carry less weight than if I voted with that one token for 30 different block producers. Yep. It carries more weight by, by voting for more. I, I like that also. Uh, and, and there's some other stuff as far as their uh, development grants and things that they're doing to kickstart uh, their blockchain. But but I do have worries about it as far as um, they kind of neutered the whales. Like we talk about whales as if they're all a bad thing, but they also prop up the market price. So by, by uh, limiting everyone's uh, Genesis tokens to 40,000 per wallet, I think they're neutering a lot of the the big holders yeah. within the ecosystem that keep the price propped up to where it was before and where it currently is. Yeah, I totally agree. So, and that's we'll we'll see how the markets uh, react to Talos, but I I hope that they react positively. I, I think all of these uh, sister chains are going to show a lot of potential. And I I think we we need the the main net to kind of uh, move a little faster on a lot of the implementations. It's kind of bothersome to me. And it's not not the working group's faults, I don't think, but like I, I think it's all gonna hopefully accelerate after referendum. Oh yeah, I really hope. And we've been talking about referendums almost ready for the longest time, and it's been going through testing. And it, it's good to to wait until it's in great working condition before it's uh, released onto the main net. But I I, I really hope that uh, some of these. Uh, changes and implementations and recs and things like that. I hope that all starts getting accelerated after referendum. But I think, uh, I, I think I speak for a lot of the people in the community that we've been a little bit disappointed at the speed at which these features are getting implemented. But yeah, I think as long as it, it, we're thinking long term here, yeah. so I'm still super super bullish long term. And we talked about earlier how we, we underestimate what we could do in 10 years and overestimate what we could do in the short term. And exactly. I think I fall into that category myself well, I is I wanted all this stuff yesterday. From the community's perspective, and I wanted it yesterday too, believe me, I wanted it six months ago. But, uh, <laughs> from the community's perspective, it's also, it's harder to really understand what's going on when all you see are the releases, right? You see when the release candidate for the, the parallel processing of signature validation comes out, you see when a Rex update comes out, but you don't see all the stuff in between. You know, you see, hey, referendum tool is now available to test on the main net as it has been for the past couple weeks but you didn't see the you know three plus months of work that all the working groups went through figuring out how to build this tool all the different problems they ran into and then accomplished so there's a ton a ton a ton in all these different groups happening behind the scenes but then we only see that little sliver of like the piece that actually gets released so i guess what i'm saying is like an assurance of people are definitely building and stuff is definitely getting done um but it is it is you know to your point of things going slow crucial that they're done in a way and rolled out in a way that's safe for the mainnet. And I think comparing EOS to other chains and the upgrades of other chains, we're lightning fast compared to how quickly updates have been implemented on live blockchains in the past. You know, when a, an update to, to increase the CPU threshold gets approved, for example, within two days, it's live on the mainnet. And um, mm -hmm. once referendum is out, now, like I said, you can test it on the mainnet. You can go vote on arbitrary stuff using the blocks.io referendum tool. Um, but once that's out, then we can vote on things like, hey, should we remove ECAF? Hey, what do you as token holders mm -hmm. want in the Constitution? Um, should we you know, implement this thing that Telos does onto the EOS mainnet? Should we add this thing that Warbly does onto the mainnet? And I think then is when we hit sort of a critical mass and are going to hit this snowball effect of, wow, now governance is truly decentralized to the token holders. Now we can go boom, 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 implement Rex, implement this mm -hmm. thing, make this change, whatever the community wants ultimately. Well, I think also, like one of the reasons Talos, even though they still haven't uh, passed their Go No Go launch, 
like they're able to implement these things because they're more centralized. And same thing was with Warbly. The more centralized you are, the more efficient you're able to get work done because you have a smaller group of people making all of the decisions. Right. And I don't, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. Most projects launch more centralized and then they decentralize over time. And that's like the end goal. But the EOS mainnet has been decentralized since the very launch of it. Yep. Block one being completely hands off. So things do take a little bit, a lot longer, I guess, time to, to implement when you're working over a decentralized group, especially when we're talking like a global yeah. uh, decentralized group, because we're seeing a huge difference between the East and West like mindsets and like what's important to them. Things that are important to me and you might not be important to someone in, in China or Thailand. I don't know. Oh, definitely. So it's, it's just much harder to get things done. Like you said, we don't see what's going on in between the release candidates. There's a ton of work going on at block one, at the block producer, at the block producer developer level, at the independent developer level. There's a lot of things going on. Yeah, and I think but, it's um, also there's a lot of stuff that people don't really notice because they, they should notice it. They shouldn't have to notice it. Like we've already had several 2X improvements stacked on top of each other with CPU where we're now an order of magnitude away, you know, in terms of CPU capacity than we were at the beginning. But people generally don't notice that because number one, it gets implemented so quickly. But number two, you know, they're not checking CPU stats on the chain. They just want to know, hey, does my account work or not? So from a user's mm -hmm. perspective, it's, oh, my CPU is working. The issues are fixed or, oh, it's not working. You know, something's wrong. Um, but uh, it's been so cool to see all of the stuff that has happened in just the first six months of launch. And I think as referendum rolls out and all these other things roll out over the next six months, um, we're going to see a lot more activity. So you mentioned uh, when we were briefly talking about referendum about yeah. whether to keep ECAF or get rid of ECAF. Yeah. And I mean, we were pretty hard on ECAF last week on the episode. I'm right now against base layer arbitration, but I'm, I, I can be convinced otherwise. Like if someone proposes something that makes me believe in ECAF again at the base layer, then I'll be all for it. But the reason I bring ECAF back up is I just wanted to uh, give a shout out that they have transitioned uh, the, the person in charge of ECAF. I think the change in leadership, they have put out a, a let me just basically, yeah, Modi, Modi, who was the, the head that most people know over there, he stepped down as the interim administrator of ECAF. And he had originally announced that when, you know, the chain launched, he said, hey, I'm going to hold this posi position for six months. And now he's stepping down and bringing somebody else. It looks like uh, Ben Gates, who's someone I'm not familiar with, but uh, I guess has completed. I've seen the name before. Like, that, that's the thing with ECAF is as involved as we are in the ecosystem, I probably know the least about ECAF yeah. as anything else going on. Like, I know more about, I don't even, like different dApps like Chintai and things. I know more about what Chintai is doing and the block producer supporting Chintai than I do about ECAF. Yeah, which is kind of a scary and thing. And part of the reason why yeah. it's so scary on the base layer when, when they have so much power. So I think a safe thing to do is to remove them from power temporarily. You put them on a, a, a layer that people can opt into or not opt into. Um, it's sort of up to the user rather than just forcing everybody to comply with something they might not want to comply with. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to see if Ben does a better job. I, I think the main thing that they need is like a communications director of some sort. They need someone to basically be very active in the community to explain like why, what value they bring and why we need this base layer arbitration and convince us of it. Because it seems like over the last couple weeks, couple months, people have been less and less kind of bullish on having that base layer arbitration. And now people are starting to speak up on it. But I'm open-minded. I, I, I could be for or against it at any given time. I just need to be convinced one way or the other. And the big reason I'm against it currently is because Miles Snyder and Kevin Rose from ES New York and Aurora BP US, uh, they both kind of convinced me when we were in San Francisco of uh, why to not really uh, be all for it anymore. Oh, yeah. So I, I could be convinced either and way, though. I mean, Speaking of ES I'm New York and uh, like these big changes that are happening in general, 
one of the things I wanted to bring up and give a huge shout out to EOS New York on is their proposal recently of the EOS platform user agreement. So as we start to talk about referendum and this constitution that we can propose and things like that, um, they've instead sort of simplified it, taken the, the word constitution that has a lot of connotations associated with it out, and have called it the EOS platform user agreement. If you want to check it out, we're not going to talk about it a ton on this episode since we don't have a lot of time. Um, but basically, it's a new proposal for the constitution that separates it into, into a couple different pieces, one for block producers, one for users, and I think one for developers. So take a look at that. Uh, we're personally in favor of it at Cypherglass, but ultimately, it will be up to the token holders to decide once referendum is out. Yeah, as we expected, we did spend a lot of time uh, BSing through the uh, Dan Larimer stuff. So we do get through some of these other talking points. Yeah. Um, a, a recent block producer candidate just launched a bunch of guys that we met in San Francisco. Yeah. So I promised them I would play like a little clip. So Brandon Parker, you guys might know him as Happy Money Man. He's another YouTube guy. He's the uh, C CEO of EO San Francisco, but they have a really, really talented team. I just want to give them a shout out because I like mentioning like Shios and other good block producers who are kind of in the lower ranks, but deserve some attention. Definitely. So their CTOs, Ali Ayash, he's the, C or he's the CEO of Lumios, very talented guy. I got to meet him in San Francisco. I had him on the podcast for an interview a while back. And then Max Infield, huge shout out for him. So Max is the one who did all the camera work and provided some of the uh, video equipment that we, from our podcast in San Francisco. So I got to spend a lot of time with him. He's a super smart guy. He's got some cool stories. He actually, Rob, interesting about him is that he actually had a, a successful business on creating fonts. Really? Like on the internet, like to download fonts. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's a whole other story. But let, let me just roll, roll a little highlight clip and then we'll get back to what we're doing. San Francisco and the Silicon Valley is one of the tech hotbeds of the world. When I imagine San Francisco, I think of this magical place with the greatest devs in the world and these great minds and startups popping up and wonderful companies and thought-provoking ideas. And what we want to do at EOS San Francisco is plug EOS directly into that ecosystem. Now, how are we going to do this? Well, we're starting with a full-service EOS DAP incubator that we co-founded in the heart of San Francisco. We're going to give all these great minds a one-stop shop place to go where we can support their ideas. That means more devs working in EOS that are highly talented and more DAPs launching on the EOS main chain. Secondly, Alicia co-founded Starfish Mission, one of the hottest blockchain workspaces in San Francisco, where we will host our global meetup hub. We have weekly study groups. We have on governance, constitution, and DAX. We have the EOS podcast. We have virtual hackathons coming. We have developer study groups on the weekends at Starfish Mission, where actually, if you look into it. A couple of the winners from EOS San Francisco Hackathon came from those study groups. Meet our wonderful team. We've got Ali, who was a lead engineer. Love. Yeah. So I, I think they have a very talented team. They also have uh, June Dam. So if anyone remembers the EOS Ignite conference, the 24-hour oh, like, yeah. conference and webinar, that's June. He, oh, okay. He's part of the EOS San Francisco. So it's basically EOS San Francisco has like a meetup group, like a core group of like 50 guys that are just really involved with EOS in San Francisco. And they basically got together and formed like a dream team with, with this node that they launched. And that, that includes uh, Starfish Network, who's like an incubator accelerator. So it's pretty cool that they have all this infrastructure in place with the incubator and accelerator, a guy building a, a pretty notable dApp. You're actually one of the leaders on Lumios, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I'm in the uh, on the leaderboard. You've board. been doing all the polls. I have. Yeah, there. Yeah. Some people must have been there way ahead of me because there are people at number one with like five thousand. I'm in the the two thousands with my score. I think I'm number thirty. So if you you haven't already, download Lumios on the App Store. I'm coming out with a video on it soon. 
I, I think it's hilarious how people will shit talk you for talking about the dice games. I know. Uh, but they, they don't praise you for being the on the leaderboard of a decentralized <laughs> app, Lumios. And then you were one of the top editors on Everpedia for a really long time a while back, yeah, too. Yeah, before they launched. But you, you, don't, you don't get any love for that I stuff. I know. That's just, all right. Just you know, if you don't have haters, you're, you're not doing something important. So I, I welcome them. Send that energy my way. I'll my just collect it, you know? <laughs> My uh, my coworker here, Zach Kezada, was uh, spreading some uh, <laughs> trolling your way. I saw that. Yeah. All in good fun. Oh, yeah, All in good fun. fun. I like the to end see of it. the bets coming up. I'm excited. I so have we'll a, see what happens with a that. plan for that video. That should be pretty funny at the end. Of course, I'm going to pay him, uh, but it is denominated as a thousand EOS, like I've said many times before. So. He's probably going to gamble it away on dice, knowing him. No, that's all right. <laughs> That'll come <laughs> so, back to me. So in going some through way. the rest of the news, uh, scatter. If, if you're using the Scattered desktop app and you haven't yet, which I, ho I hope you have, you got to update your software. I'll put the GitHub link in the description, but there was a critical patch. We still don't know what the bug was, but it was actually found by the team at Gray Mass, so like a white hat type of uh, vulnerability find. Uh, it's been patched, but you need to update your uh, Scattered desktop. As soon as enough people uh, download the update, they'll actually release what the bug was. I don't know what it was at the moment, but uh, just just update your your wallet software yeah. to be safe. Uh, but just get that message out to anyone who missed it. And then the last topic in my notes here uh, was something sent to me by the guys at EOS Authority, who I also met those guys at the um, at the Airdrops DAC uh, mix and mingle yeah. out in San Francisco. You were there also. Yep. Really smart guys at EOS Authority. So they launched uh, something called Carbon Free EOS. You want to introduce that to everyone since you're part of it, I think? Yeah, so Carbon Free EOS, and we just joined on to this uh, just, I think, last week, um, but it's basically to make the EOS blockchain carbon neutral. And what that means is that ultimately the output is zero CO2 emissions back into the ecosystem. You know, if you look at other blockchains, mainly proof of work ones like Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're incredibly bad for the environment just in the amount of electricity they burn and the CO2 they add to the atmosphere. Um, but EOS now is looking like it's going to be the first blockchain to be fully carbon neutral. And the way this works is basically EOS Authority has organized a super easy way to buy carbon credits uh, from other businesses that have, you know, a, a net negative CO2 or maybe have extra carbon credits. And the BPs basically each contribute, I think it's 16 EOS, so not a ton of money to make it carbon neutral because it's already so efficient. Um, but once every BP or somebody on behalf of the BP has put up that 16 EOS, EOS will be carbon neutral for an entire year. And this is really more of a media play than anything. I think even from the community's perspective, it's important that people yeah. know that. Um, this is significant in that, you know, EOS is much more environmentally friendly than other blockchains. But from a media perspective, if you can go and say, hey, look, Bitcoin is horrible. It's, it's you know, burning yeah, all this electricity. Look at EOS. It's carbon neutral. That's something the media can pick up on and kind of run with. So that's really where, you know, the motivation for all this is coming from. But it's also cool just to have something that's not destroying the earth. You know? And that, that's exactly what I, I Rohan, Rohan, I'm not sure how to say his name. Whenever he messaged me about the, uh, so you can see it at eosauthority.com front slash green. Yep. And you can see a list of all of the block producers that are supporting it. And you'll see like a checkbox next to their name that says they're green. And it's almost every block producer, including the hated Huobi pool. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad they went I, out I, don't know. I, I, bet, I bet they're like good guys too. Is the oh, thing. Yeah. Like if we met these guys at Huobi, they're probably just as bullish on EOS as we a are. A lot of this is cultural but differences. But there's disconnect is. between the cultures. Yeah. yeah. 
But every everyone Bitfinex needs to get on it, man. Even, They're like one of the top ones that aren't on. Oh yeah, Bitfinex, ZBEOS looks like are the only two in the top twenty one who haven't done it. So if you're in the Bitfinex Telegram, if you're in the ZBEOS Telegram, hop on them, send yeah, them the tell link. Tell them to pay up to sixteen damn EOS. Yeah, it's only it's sixteen like, EOS. I mean, come on, fifty bucks these days, and that'll yeah. last a year. But it makes them carbon green, and I, I think it is a promotional place. So that's what I was gonna say. I I was on board with Rohan's initiative to get this started because we we've seen it on the, uh, the press campaigns that Brendan Bloomer has. He's always bringing up the amount of electricity burned. Yep. by proof-of-work coins like Ethereum and Bitcoin and says how EOS is so much more green, and it is, but this is just taking it to another level even further and saying not only is it less uh, like wasteful than these proof-of-work coins, we're actually carbon positive or, car or carbon, neutral. carbon negative. Yeah, carbon neutral. Carbon neutral. So we're we're negating any car any type of power and electricity we're using to run these nodes. We're offsetting it by, by supporting uh, companies who are... Uh, creating more electricity than they're burning exactly. through through solar energy. So that, that's really cool. I, I, I think it is a great promotional play because it's just one more feather to put in the hat of Definitely. the EOS uh, mainnet is we are not only carbon, we're, we're not using any power essentially. Everything's been negated and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, anything else? I think we got to wrap up here, Rob. Yeah, I think I got that's some pretty other, much it. It's, uh, stuff to attend it's to. It's amazing how fast this hour flies. But uh, thank you all so much for watching again. Remember, head over to, to everythingeos.io. Check out our new Join Telegram, the Telegram group. Come on, the, be one of the founding members. Zach Gall and myself are yes. both in there already. The first two members. So come in and, and uh, we say need hello. more people. I, I so we had we had Pete on the show last week, yeah. and that's just because he works with me. He's a great smart guy to bring on, but. I want to bring on more people. Yeah. So if, if you want to prove your value, come into the channel and interact with us. And if you have a good idea, you're building something cool, or you represent a block producer, and you seem like an interesting person, we want to have you on. Definitely. Uh, we, we could do a three-person show. We've, we've proven it's possible. <laughs> so join the Telegram channel. Right now, you just got to go to everythingeos.io. Just going to join the channel. I think it's just me and Rob still because we haven't published this yeah, episode exactly. yet. <laughs> But but we'll we'll start like posting the links before we make them public. There we'll, we'll give you guys sneak peeks and this stuff, and you can have a lot of input on the show. And we'll we'll screen capture your log or your screen capture your Telegram chats yeah. and put them on the show. Do all kinds of stuff just like we do with the tweets. So uh, that, that's my closing remark: is join the Telegram channel. We want to chat with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Is that it? I think that's so it. Let, let's uh, close it out. So once again, another week of everything EOS. I'm Zach. Gull. I'm Rob Finch. And this is. Everything, Everything EO. EO. EO.